Hey everyone, I'm Lewis Mallet. Welcome to the podcast. This episode was originally recorded on one of my live streams. If you want to watch or listen to more of my content, please follow me on the various social media channels. Please leave a review, subscribe, and I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. And we're live. Hey everyone, thank you for joining. Whether you're watching live or after the event on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, wherever you're watching, thank you so much. Today, we're talking about scaling businesses, whether that's um, growing your startup or you're in growth phase. Um, you know, many, many people struggle with the various topics and issues around that. So I've managed to get Helen Yu, welcome Helen, um, who kindly agreed to come on and talk about all things scaling businesses. She is a board advisor, top 50 females in tech, an amazing author. Um, and she's just released a book called Ascend Your Startup, which we'll hear about in a sec, I'm sure. Um, welcome, Helen. Hi, Louis. Such a pleasure being here. No, thank you for joining. Um, so I guess before we start, what's all this about your... Uh, you won the New York, I'm going to get this right, the New York Book Festival, um, Wall Street Journal. Well done. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, as a matter of fact. So I would give kudos to my publisher, Mate for Success. Nice, nice. So is this, is this PJ who organized our, uh, our stream? PJ is the publicist, my book publicist. Uh, but Brian Heisman, who is a founder and CEO at Meet for Success, is the publisher I've been working with since January this year. Um, right. But I wrote, I wrote this book since last July, all the way through the end of the manuscript. Then I interviewed the 10 publishers and I chose Meet for Success. Absolutely was the right choice. So kudos. Nice. So you wrote your book over the pandemic? Yes. <laughs> Great time, right? Locked at home, can't go out. <laughs> Just distill all of your all of your thoughts and write a book. I should have done yeah. that myself. I would say it. this book has been in my head for over 10 years. Uh, and I never had the time. You've been traveling on the road so many years, never had the time to really put down paper. And then pandemic became, became a catalyst for change. Uh, so it gave me the time to really think about the storyline, think about, you know, how to, how do I really turn things into a digestible format for readers so they can, because my goal, right, I want to be a multiplier, multiple, multiply other people's joy, prosperity, and knowledge. This is really a way of doing that by giving more people the opportunity uh, to learn uh, how to think about right the things that you think about to scale business? Yeah, have you are you doing an audio book? Uh, yeah, this one this book was published in the audio uh, audio version NFT awesome. as well as the hard copy and ebook. Nice. I've been consuming my my books on Audible now, like the last few years. I mean, when I was commuting to work regularly, I had my headphones in. I'd listen to a book or a podcast or something like that. I probably need to get back into the habit of actually like picking up a physical book and reading it. Cause it's like, there's just something about like paging through a book and highlighting the stuff you want. But 
I find for me, I don't know about you, but this audio, I'm able to consume so much more. Yeah, a lot of my friends prefer audiobook. I'm more of an old school when it comes to books. I have a big shelf, bookshelf here. So I read, I have to get a physical copy of the book. The books <laughs> I like, I always buy a physical copy of the book. And right. then I flip through them from time to time. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Audible is really fun when you're on the road, definitely. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes when you exercise, you can listen to it, right? That's really cool. Well, I do. When I, to be honest, actually, when I run, I do quite a bit of running. I like to just I, most of the most of my running career, it's been no music, no headphones, just my thoughts, you know, drifting in and out. It's quite meditative for me, running or doing exercise and stuff. And then recently, I've started to put the headphones in, and I've started to listen to. <laughs> I don't know why I've started to listen to books or podcasts or a bit of music and stuff. It's it's really interesting. So, so let, let's let's move on to uh, to scaling. Um, and I, and I think the first thing to to say, and certainly when you know with startups, and you know I've built my own startup. I, I, it was one of the hardest things that I've had to do. Is you know you, you start and you do everything. Like I was like when I started, mm -hmm. I was. HR, sales, marketing, finance, cleaning up at the end of the day, you know, all of that kind of stuff. At what point do people need to say, right, I know I need to identify jobs that other people can do and then start to, to give up that I'm doing everything approach mm -hmm. and then start to build a team? That's a very important question, right, to ask. As you said, as you know, founders typically early stage of the business they're bootstrap their business, right? They have limited funding, limited team. Um, I would always really start thinking about why you're on this journey first and then think about what problems you're trying to solve. And then, you know, people talk about the minimum, uh, minimum variable product. And then you think about who is the minimum variable team can help me achieve that goal. Oftentimes, the, the founders have their own strengths, right? Some of the founders are very big with product. They are, they, they're superb turning an idea into product, but then they may not have the go-to-market expertise. They may not have scaling company expertise. That's where they have to find someone who's been there, done that, right? Yeah. For example, when yeah. I, I really had a, my, the why, right, for me, ascending the Mount Everest was to keep a secret promise to my grandmother uh, that was to leave her ashes on this on a tall mountain. So that made me feel unstoppable. I made up my mind that nothing would hold me back right from my climb. But then as a founder, do you have that kind of drive or why you're doing that? Because understanding that really important, you just do that, right? Because you had happen to have some free time you may you may change your mind really quickly, right? So yeah, you're, that you're figuring that out and then understand who you are and then what you're trying to accomplish before you think about the team, right? I think that getting someone to compliment uh, with a complementary skill set is really, really important. Yeah, it's interesting. There's two things I want to talk about there. We can talk about Everest in a sec because I've always loved to, I'd love to do that. Um, but, you know, when, when you start a business to start with, and we'll talk about scaling, of course, and, and the challenges later on down the line. 
Um, but you find, you know, when you're on your own, you're a sole trader, essentially, right? I mean, you're doing everything. I mean, I don't know if you start a bakery, you're the baker, you're the salesperson, you're you're all of those things. And I think it isn't until until that that switches in your mind and you start to hire people and you start to you know to go through that journey. Do you do you able to create a real business? And it's interesting. I think you know many people start businesses for different things. You know, mm-hmm. one big thing I find certainly uh, certainly in the UK, which is why I set up my business, is that. You know, everyone expects when you set up a business that you should want to scale it and you should want mm-hmm. to sell it. And if you don't answer yes to those questions, it's a lifestyle business, which isn't really as good as if you want to scale it. So I mm-hmm. think it's also important to note, you know, for people listening that are building businesses or thinking about setting up, that's not the only path. You know, it's not that the only path isn't just to scale and, and grow. I think obviously with tech, of course, the payback, mm-hmm is really only when you you ultimately sell, right? You know, a lot of these tech firms are raising money every 18 months and things like that. But if it's not that type of business, I think, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but, you know, there's many reasons and many ways to do it. There are absolutely many ways, right? I, I think that everyone has different goal. People are at different stage of their life. They may have different objectives. The North Star for me may not be the same as for you, right? Some people wants to make uh, a dent to the universe and some people just want to have a uh, really more balanced life. You know, nothing is better. Not not that one thing is better than the other. It's just different. So this is why figuring out who you are, what your goal really is, is the first important thing and getting prepared for that, right? If you decide that you wanted to uh, just have a side hustle, for example, you have your day-to-day job, but you, you know, I have a friend actually, she has a e-commerce store to sell shoes online, right? but she has her regular job or working for a fortune company. So that's a very different type of business she would like to have rather than others she does not want to grow the the company so well she just want to have some fun because she designs her own shoes right so that that the goal is different than you think about you know how do you measure the success is it just having fun with friends and coming up with new styles or is something to making maybe joint venture with some other companies down the road right so it's very, very different. Um, and then then you can, based on the goal to design, right, the measurement. I always say I talk about some of this. Every single founder or human has blind spot. We all do, right? When we drive, your certain angle you cannot see. You won't be see, seeing the motorcycle passing by sometimes because you're looking, keep looking for cars, right? And then yes. so... Same applies to business world. If you're trying to start a business, um, first really understand the you know what you want to accomplish, and then you think about what is the product market fit, right? The problem you're trying to solve is there's a market for you, and then really understand that if the problem you're solving also being a problem that people that you're targeting, right, called ideal customer profile, if they are interested in uh, working with you and who, who else is out there trying to solve the same problem. And then you can know, right, how big the market it is. And if it's a huge market, right, the ta- called TAM, total addressable market is really big, do you have enough people 
to scale the business, right? And then yes. how fast you want to scale. So there are many, many questions to ask. I don't think there's an answer is more more questions than answer, but then you should be able to, if you can't not answer these questions, you can find someone who been there, done that to help you uh, along the way, right? This is why I yeah. hired a Sherpa to help me climb. I hired the publisher to help me publish my book because I've never done that before. If I just go alone, I can make it. I can make it, but then probably not without the bruises, right? Without the uh, challenges, yeah. more higher challenges. Yeah. Definitely. No, I love that. I love that. I think it's an interesting message. A lot of a lot of people and, you know, society gears you up for, you know, this is the right way or you should be doing it this way. And I think for me, it's all about and. It's like you mm -hmm. could do it this way and you could do it this way and you can do it this way and you can do it. You know, so I think when you're setting up, when you're starting, when you're scaling, expanding, all of that stuff, I think it's, you know, it's okay to try different paths. Um, and it's and it's often difficult, you know, because as, as, as a leader growing something, you have all of this external pressure, you know, like you feel you should do it this way because they've done really well doing it that way. And it's actually quite tough mentally to just be like, do you know what, let me, you know, let me take a breath and let mm -hmm. me think about, you know, all of the aspects around what I'm doing and how to get to where I want to get to. Um, and also the other thing is there's no straight line, right? Like it just doesn't work like that. It's always like this. <laughs> and when you understand and appreciate that's the game, I think it takes a lot of pressure off. So what, what are your thoughts on, on so with, with when you're, when you're building, um, you know, a lot of people go quick, right? Like they develop product quick. They want to get to market mm -hmm. quick. They want to raise funding. They want to get customer. Da, da, da. Do you think there's value in just slowing down a bit and, and just really focusing on building great foundations to then expand? Um, I've spoken probably, you know, I've had a 500 plus conversations, not a single person or conversation I've had. People say, hey, I want to slow down, right? <laughs> All of the people I spoke to, they, the question is, how can I accelerate the growth? How can I grow this faster? Um, as I think we all wanted to have the speed, but we have to realize sometimes in order to move forward, you have to take a step back, right? Yeah. This is where, uh, but then more importantly, I mean, the four lessons I learned through the Mount Everest Space Camp climbing experience, First of all, you have to pre prepare, right? You have to spend, because I not, you know, I'm not a mountain climber to begin with, where I spend months to really um, practice, right? To exercise, because I could not afford, this was many years, many years ago, I could not afford for a personal trainer, what you're gonna do, you have to, you know, have discipline. You have to be out there, get up early every day, to get yourself trained physically and emotional, emotionally, and you have to speak to people who've never done that and, and think about all the things that that could happen to you down the road. You have to be very, very well prepared, right? However, no matter how well you are prepared, there are always unexpected things happen to you along the way, right? Yeah. For example, for me, um, Many, many things happened along the way, and the people who came to with me, one one by one, they dropped, right? Toward, <laughs> you know, portion of my trip, you're alone. As a founder, oftentimes it happens where you could be left alone, your, your 
co-founder could have left, you know, could leave you. Investor may not be happy with the progress you make, or your family members feel like you know you haven't spent enough time with them. So there are many things could happen to you. You needed to adapt to change along the way. Um, and yeah. then I yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's interesting. I think, you know, like you've done, and I try and do as well. Well, I do do. It's it's good to go through difficult things. You know, like to do difficult stuff. Like I do. Um, I do CrossFit about five mm -hmm. times a week. Um, wow. And whatever comes up the rest of the day, I probably won't be doing anything quite as difficult as having to back squat hundreds of kilograms, or mm -hmm. you know, like run and you know, like it's it's and it's good and it and it really prepares me. Like that the Everest experience for you seems to have got you strong and hard and you know prepared for like you know the business life i think i think it's useful doing difficult stuff every day even yeah. if it's like spend 20 minutes in a hot in a sauna or an ice bath or mm -hmm. go run 5k or whatever's difficult for you um because you know with business you're going to be doing it for a long time right it's a little bit of a cliche it's a marathon not a sprint and, you know and i think you've got to treat yourself like an elite athlete you know sleep well eat well do exercise do difficult things prepare yourself for the unexpected uh, i don't think as many people do that as they should you know there's been so much burnout recently or maybe we just hear about it more often now but you know it's clearly always been there but many people i speak to during the pandemic you know they've been working harder longer less holidays you know in front of a screen so I, I think now more than ever, it's important to make sure you look after yourself and then you get more productive and, and all of those things. So, Absolutely. This is why the, the company culture is so important too, right? So regardless yeah. of the size of your company, um, you have, you know, really a company culture drives a sustainable growth. Uh, central to that is the employee experience uh, because if you have a better employee, experience that leads to better customer experience. Um, this is, you know, spending time allowing yourself to really be re-energized is so critical. Um, it, it not, this is, means not just some of the time and all the time. Yeah, I think um, I've quoted him before, but Simon Sinek, um, I think his quote was, I'm gonna get it slightly wrong, but if your employees love your product, your customers will love your product. Or your employees have to love your product first before your customers, something like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, but yeah, you know, culture is is vital. You know, for attracting talent, which ultimately, you know, you can have the best business plan and good funding, but if you can't attract the right people, you're not going to be able to grow your business. And and culture for me, and for candidates, as we speak to people, and uh, you know, during the work that we do, culture um is is almost right at the top now of, of mm -hmm. the things that people are looking for and in the tech space you know there's so much recruitment going on it's a real you know real battle for good people and and i think the firms that have got the right culture and they've treated their employees well over the pandemic will ultimately end up winning that i i totally i i echo what you just said Luis. Uh, I really talk about cultural collaboration, right? What that means, it means taking intentional action to build an inclusive and thriving culture where it really safe, very safe to share, share ideas with each other. It begins with very thoughtful commitment to culture first. 
uh, as a way to bring people together. Right? If you think about, I talk about you know minimum viable product, but there got to be minimum viable culture where you don't try to boil the ocean all in one day, but rather you set, really set down in a simple set of shared beliefs and stakeholders to, to lean on in order to create remarkable outcome for your entire employee, for your entire team and company. Definitely. What do you think of, and, and this is interesting because like during the pandemic, we've had mm-hmm. a real shift to you know working from home, clearly. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation kind of moved on a little bit to work from anywhere. And we had Facebook pay by location, you know, go live in, you know, a lower cost location and we'll pay you less salary and whatever. And then we had we had Twitter. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic saying um, you can work from home forever. And then like asterisk, 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 as long as your role um you know, requires it, whatever. And then they've come out subsequently to say, actually, you're going to have to come into the office as well. And you've got Apple and Goldman saying you're going to have to be in. Where do you sit now, do you think, with with that? Do you think we're going to end up finding that it's drifting back to companies are going to want people in? Or do you think we'll, we'll end up with a, a more of a work from anywhere style? I uh, I've always been working remotely right? as a remote employee, um, working with a team global scale. I thought pandemic would not make much of difference to me, but I was wrong to be honest with you. So being remote is very different than being remote on the video call all day long, five days a week. So. <laughs> I have to say that uh, a hybrid, um, a hybrid um, culture is much better, right? I had, I finally in June, I, I've been working with this uh, startup since February as their interim service leader. So in June, uh, I had my first business trip. So we flew to Nashville, right? The executive team, executive met with each other. We had our team building event, bowling event. It was fantastic. It was overdue after a year and a half being locked down in the room, not seeing everybody, anyone, right? And then, yeah, we hugged each other and <laughs> we had fun. We cared, like we didn't care about, we did not wear masks, right? We all vaccinated, obviously. So the point yeah. is that that was overdue. You can really see the, the um, necessary, the need for human interaction, right? Ever since we came yes. back from the trip, I feel like I'm more re-energized and we have we pick up more productivity, productivity working with each other because we get to know each other at a personal level. So that will never be replaced by remote working, right? Obviously, people, there's some survey about, hey, the productivity has increased by 40%. And then, but when it comes to the newer employees, when it comes to um, people just entering the workforce, I think it's really important for them to meet with others. And then even for people who've been there a long time, it's critical for people to get to know each other outside of the working environment. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think, you know, we're human. I mean, it's just, it's so, you're right. I, I get so energized by meeting people, new people, conversations like this. I mean, this is great. But if we were in the same room, 
you know, with uh, it would have been it, it's just different, right? It's a yeah. it's a different vibe. I have made really good new friends over this last 18 months on video. But still for me, yeah, the, the face-to-face thing is amazing. And I think, you know, as time goes on, a blend for sure is going to be important. I think for companies hoping to attract talent as they scale, though, I think for me, a one-size-fits-all doesn't work. And it's about, you know, asking individuals, you know, what's your preference? How would you like to work? How are you most effective? How can we construct and organize something that works for you? I, I think it feels like if that's the approach, you know, firms will do well to attract people. I'm not sure, you know, mandating five days or four days is the best way. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, it, it really depends on what type of job you are in, you're doing, right? Depends on in the culture of the company. To me, it's like people should be measured based on, uh, should be accountable for the result or the outcome, right? Rather than being measured based on the hours. However, there are people, frontline worker, manufacturer, they are measured based on the hours they put in because it does matter. So really, either, I don't think there's a one size fits all. Uh, it is really depends on your job function, what you're doing, and then how you're being measured. So that's why it's so important for companies to clearly define the roles and responsibilities, setting up expectations. That's how they can hold people accountable. But they, then they can reward the top performers and weeding out the toxic employees. Definitely. You're right. It's re- If you are lucky enough to be able to have the conversation to maybe work at home or the office, be really grateful. I mean, there's some, there are many people that have to go to work. So, you know, I think that's really a really interesting one. I want to put a question up. I've had it loads. Of, I've had it emailed in a few times, and uh, and I know you're you're interested in this as well. So, um, so do you think there are certain types of people that are better at startups versus growth? And and, and we've seen it a lot, right? You know, people mm-hmm. that start a business up, and then they haven't they have they they either step aside or mm-hmm. there's a point where they're kind of almost pushed aside because they're not quite the right person to scale it what do you think about Mm -hmm. that um there are a few characteristics of successful startup founders i've worked with um they thrive on a strong sense of personal efficacy to execute their vision they have keen eyes for innovation to identify new products and new markets uh they're great listeners right who turn ideas into actionable insights Uh, They also articulate their vision really, really well. They inspire devotions in others. Uh, Typically, their risk tolerance level is much higher. Their motivation for achievement achievement is stronger. But that does not mean, you know, I mean, it's really hard to pin down, right, to say what exactly the... There also really depends on, you know, how they, they have to be very good at hiring the people, hiring the right people, to be with them at the right time, right? I mean, a founder founder alone won't really be able to take a company from where they are at to where they need to be. Think about where Amazon was, where Jeff was, right? 20 years ago, but look at where he's now. And he would not have done that without the team that he has in place. Uh, look yeah. at Microsoft, right? When Steve Ballmer was there, the company shrinked 
by 50%. And now you look at the new CEO, he's fantastic, right? Microsoft are a great story. They've done exactly. great, yeah. 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 So, the so it's CEO this thing of does make a difference. But then at the end of the day, it's not just the CEO or the founder, it is the people. They hire the people, right? The executive team and the leadership team who everyone else who makes makes a difference. Yeah. So for me, it's it, yeah, it's it's moving from it's moving from I to we, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know, you see as you go to school and university, if you go to university and when you enter into the enter into the workforce, so much of your performance um is based on so much of your success is based on your personal performance. Like you study hard, you get good grades, you get to the good university, you get into the great company, you do well, you get promoted. Suddenly, mm -hmm. suited for it or not, because not everyone is suited for management or leadership. Um, and again, that's not the only career path. So, you know, that's okay too. But if you end up in a, in a management role, you very have to quickly have to realize that your success is dependent on others. And, and suddenly it's, you know, you're servicing your employees, right? You're making, you know, you're giving everything they can to make sure they succeed. So, you know, we all do better. And it takes, it's hard to get into that mindset. You know, it's it's tough. It is, absolutely. Um, and I would say the leadership skills is not, people are not born into the skills. Uh, it can be developed, right? I yeah. was very fortunate to work for, um, many, many great leaders that they really helped me to develop my skills and then to be able to do what I do today. So I'm very thankful for many of them. Um, and I can, you know, to this day, I still have them in my mind or every time I want to do things, I say, what would David, what would he say if he were here? Or what would Chris or what would she uh, be doing if she were here? So a lot of them really made remarkable uh, impression, not impression, but also impact on me, right? So I want to be a leader like uh, Chris, right? She is a teacher. She teaches the special needs kids today, but she used to be a leader who promoted me to lead the consulting team when I was a consultant, but I learned so much from her, right? So that's kind of the people who made measurable impact on you, make you want to be a leader like them. And that's how people progress, right? You know, that's why um, it's so important to work with uh, courageous leaders who really help you grow. And then I think it really makes a huge, significant impact on others. Hugely. It's so important. I've learned so much over the years from great leaders I've worked with. Ones that weren't good, you still learn. You know, it's all a learning experience and you're right it's like it's good to collect experience and it's why also I mean I've, I've spoken to a few young people recently like young as in they've just entered the workforce and um one came to see me for coffee he was a friend of mine's yeah. brother anyway and, and he wanted to leave his job he was a really good he's a really good developer mm -hmm. and I said you've know, been there five months you know what's going on he said well I'm not you know I haven't got a seat at the leadership table I should be helping them run the company they're not taking my, uh, you know, my 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 thoughts, decisions, and views. And I was like, you know, you just have to be patient. You know, like you're going to be working for a long time, and a lot of people are rushing to to get to, you know, the top spot or all of these things. And you know, if you're patient and you learn and you collect experience, 
you know, you're going to start to do well because some of the most successful entrepreneurs don't start their businesses until mm -hmm. a bit later on in life. Interestingly, exactly. the average age of successful entrepreneur is 45, right? So yeah, people are surprised because you hear about the success stories about young, early ages, but those are not the average. I mean, you know, uh, Warren Buffet did not become successful until age of 63, right? So many others, so it depends on, I, I would say, if you are chasing a job title or status, you may not be as successful, but if you relentlessly pursue your passion and purpose, and then really trying to make you know some impact and then focus on learning, focus on growing, that's really will propel you to grow faster, right? And I always think about getting yourself out of the comfort zone is so important. If you are yeah. super comfortable about what you're doing every single day, you haven't tried hard harder or you haven't tried hard enough, and then you can do more, right? Not to say you have to change jobs, but you can always learn a new skill, even cooking or skiing yeah. or something different, right? It's, it does not have to be professional change. It can be personal change. It can be personal challenge. It can be something that for me, um, I'm more introvert, even though I look like extrovert. And it, it really forced me, I had to force myself to feel more comfortable mm -hmm. to speak in public and then I learned how to speak and uh, at conferences, all that. But it took years to get to that point, right? I made a point to make the practice. I made a point to personally do that so that to force myself to feel more comfortable. Uh, I realized that I feel more comfortable talking to other people, have them share their story with me to begin with, right? So that's yeah. how you get better and improve constantly because I don't think a lot of skills are more developed can be developed not necessarily born right? I completely agree I mean I was I was so scared doing these things I mean you know podcasting live streams coming on knowing people are watching um knowing that it's going to be out in the uh, you know on the internet forever you, you know it's it's quite a daunting thing or standing in front of even like 10 people yeah. and and speaking right it's it, it, it takes a lot of courage because, um, you know, you always worry about what other people think. And, and you know, real confidence, I think, is not really caring what other people think of you, just going for it. And then as you do it, you get better and you acquire the skills and you get a bit more confident. And, you know, it's easy to say, I know. Um, but, you know, if you do it step by step, you can do it and, and you can get there. So, no, you're right. I think, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the young successful entrepreneur stories aren't the norm you know i mean forget what you see on instagram forget what you see on twitter on facebook i mean the norm is you know successful people work super super hard yeah. they're continually learning and trying things and you know they're the ones that really end up being successful i think um, yeah do you, i do i do agree i think the grit and resilience um are really set you apart are the characteristics that set you apart right from others yeah do you what do you, what are your views on mentors and exec coaches um my view is that is so important for all of us right to have a personal board of director uh, when i say personal board of director are the ones who could be a mentor could yeah. who could be a coach but i think the most importantly is to have sponsors 
right, for you. Because mentors can mentor you to learn a specific skill. And then the sponsor are the ones who really put their neck out for you to put you in a position where other people may not have seen, right, that in you, but he or she believes in you to give you the opportunity, right? I have to say yeah. that uh, I worked for Marketo. Now Marketo is part of Adobe. Um, I would give the credit to Phil Fernandez, who uh, was the founder, co-founder, and CEO at Marketo. And uh, I've learned so much right? working for him and his uh, executive team. He took me under his wings. And then also gave me many opportunities. I've never, you know, given me an opportunity to run the global team and then give me an opportunity to run the, uh, after the professional service and run the customer success team, which had uh, retention renew. So kept growing my responsibility because he believed in me. That was me doing that in first time, right? Running yeah. things that I didn't really have opportunity to do. That's how leaders, right? The, the, Significant or phenomenal leader, that's what they do. They bet on you. I consider that as being a sponsor, right? The mentor yeah. are the ones I work with many others who really help develop your skills. And then if you are, you know, for example, presentation skills, right? They tell you, you know, what you can do better, or they really point out to you what you can do better. So you need both. You need the sponsor. You need the mentor. You need, you know, all different kind of people based on where you are at with your journey. And you can change them each year, right? Every year in January, I will look at my personal board di director. I refresh them. I let them know, right? I really <laughs> want to do you to play a role in my growth. Yeah. Here's, uh, would you be willing to invest in me if you do? Let's talk once a month, right? Let's work with each other. And then is there anything I can help you with, right? Because it's yeah. not just one way straight. And oftentimes you'll find that there are things that you can offer to your uh, to others as well. Then you can in exchange for uh, mutually beneficial professional relationship. Yeah, I love that. I talk about it quite a lot. Um and I got it from my friend Dietra Giles, actually. So I want to mention her. But, you know, being the CEO of your life, you know, taking ownership of your career, even if you're an employee, right? Yeah. You know, be the CEO of your life and do what you've just said. You know, put together a board, put together people around you that can help you on your journey. You know, you don't have to be a founder. You don't have to be a CEO. But you are you are all a CEO of your own life. Um, and I think you know, the days of waiting for your company to provide you the opportunities to train and develop and learn, I, you know, I think are, are going. I think you've got to take ownership now. And doing what you've said, I think, is great. You know, put together a personal board of directors. I love that. It's a good thing, really good thing to do. Last point now, because we're at... So if, if you're, in a, you're, in, you're in a startup, you've grown your startup, um, mm. how, how do you actually go about scaling? Like, is there... Do you have some advice on, you know, that mindset shift from, mm -hmm. you know, you've built something, you want to scale it, and suddenly it's like, wow, okay, I need to actually, like, go and do it. Yeah, so when it comes to building a company, typically there are three major phases you go through, right? The first one is you turn idea into product. 
the second phase, you turn product into um, market and then market to scale. As you go through these three phases, I, you know, as I describe in my book, uh, all of us run into five disconnects, right? Growth disconnect. Uh, the early stage is the product market disconnect. So you really need, as a founder, need to be prepared, understand, do some market analysis, understand, you know, what problem you're trying to solve and what is, you know, is there a market for the problem you're trying to solve and who else is out there do, you know, solving the same problem. And then, you know, once you figure out the product market fit, um, you move on to the second disconnect, which I call define minimum disconnect. This is not just about minimum viable product. It's about minimum viable team, minimum viable culture. Most importantly, minimum viable repeatability, right? You know, where exactly how, if you acquire 100 customers, how can you go about acquiring 10, 10 times more, right? right? So that's when you get that repeatability is where you start seeing the, the trend to go scale. And then yes. the third disconnect is the voice of customer disconnect, right? So when you climb uh, Mount Everest, you start from the base camp, you go to summit one, then you go back to the base camp, you go to summit two, and then you back to base camp again. Going through that process is called you acclimate, right? Your body to fit the high altitude environment. Building a business is similar to that environment you are always on a high altitude environment when you are building a company so sometimes in order to move forward you have to take a step back so that's yeah. optimized to the voice of your customer and then as you start scaling right moving from market to scale you have to have well-defined processes because it used to be early stage we just do whatever right whomever yeah. available go do it but then you have more than 100 employees or even you start, you can't call them by names, remember every single person's name anymore. And you really need to start documenting how do you go about right the sales journey, customer journey, who is responsible for what? Because if you don't, it's going to be very difficult to move things faster. And the last way, yeah. if you want to hold your team accountable, you have to have measurement, right? There's a measurement disconnect. You have to know how you measure the success, right? Define the roles and responsibilities for different functions, because this time you may have HR, legal, services, and sales, and you have so many functions or marketing, making sure that everyone knows what their roles and responsibilities is. Most importantly, how you measure, right? What is the metric you measure? each of the function, the leaders and team, so that you can really inspire their devotion in achieving the common goal. So those are, if you, you really think about that along the lines of these five disconnect, um, you can overcome, you can actually avoid some of the challenges um, early, right? Or you can hire people knowing that here's your gap. As a founder, you know product super well, you may not know the go-to-market, then you can hire someone along the lines to help you bridge those gaps. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for that. And um, it's also interesting right now, you're seeing, obviously partly because of the pandemic, but you're seeing a lot more startups. You're also seeing a lot of firms scaling now as well. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in, you know, certainly in tech, if we talk about tech, there's so much recruitment going on right now. 
Um, it's crazy. And, and quite a few people have, you know, have asked me, you know, is this a good time to start a business? You know, it must have been different 10 years ago. Things have mm -hmm. changed. And, you know, I mean, actually, I set up in 2010. So it was like, you know, towards the end of the financial crisis. And for me, times like this is a, the best time to, to start something mm -hmm. uh, or to scale something. You know, there's so many interesting trends going on great opportunities so I don't know what your thoughts are on that but I think it's just a really great time to do it um I think it's a great time to think about and take a really a break to think about what really matters to you and uh to me um Microsoft actually wrote together wrote a report right employee survey they call this the great resignation um, yes. 39% of people are changing their jobs. So this is time to revisit your priority, to think about what really matters to you and to people who you care about, right? So um, in terms of, you know, if this is a good time to start a business, it's never a, you know, good time or bad time to start a business. To me is that you got to really spend some time being prepared. This may give you a little more time to prepare, get prepared for your business. Yeah. Um, but always, I would say, always really think about why. Yeah, think about why, because uh, without a purpose, um, you're going to get lost, right? You're going to be, you know, there's a lot of uh, purpose gives us a destination, motivation to get there too. So it's very critical for you to think about think through that before you go out and start business great advice great advice thank you helen thank you so much we've done 45 minutes it's flown by um thank you very much for joining me um a note on your book so where can i get the paperback and the audio so you can actually go to Amazon or you can go to my website, taigongadvisory.com. There are four ways you can purchase my book, right? Either through Amazon.com. Uh, you can actually get Audible version two. It's also being launched um, for uh, through, uh, through OpenSea. So they, they have the NFT version as well. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Mine is actually on its way. So I will uh, I'll write you a book review once I've done it. But thank you. Thank you so much. Really nice to, to chat with you. Um, thank you for having soon. me. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe in all the usual places.